So really, it's talking about the mental toughness that it takes for this sport if you want to go long. It's just not a matter of putting together a long run, a long bike, and a long swim. It's really smashing them all together and making sure your mental can last through that however long that day is going to take you. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect, how obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 87. Today, I have a very special guest, although all my guests are special. Colonel Yvonne Spencer is an eight-time full-distance Ironman finisher. She is a 2020 long-course triathlon team member and multi-year all-world athlete. In addition to the numerous triathlon finishes in all distances, she's an avid runner and has completed 16 marathons, has qualified for Boston, completed the Boston Marathon in 2021. She's been coaching since 2017. She's had a 28-year career in the military. She's served in various leadership positions and has commanded organizations ranging from 300 to 1,200 personnel. Despite living in five countries and relocating 14 times, triathlons have been a constant in her life. It has been a key to her resilience and work-life balance. In 2015, Yvonne translated her leadership talents and built a supportive and empowering network of women called Fast Chick. It is a national women's triathlon group, primarily women of color that strive to remove barriers by empowering and educating women in the sport of triathlon. It provides a safe environment and support of athletes of all levels. It includes annual race meetups, clinics, panels, monthly challenges. It has nearly 1,200 online members. Interesting story about Fast Chick. I completed Augusta. 70.3 70.3 in 2018. And Donna, who's also a member of Fast Chicks, invited me to their meetup. She told me, you should come to the Fast Chicks meetup prior to the race. And I thought, I'm not fast. She was like, girl, it's not about being fast. And it's really not. It's very, it's a supportive environment for all women who want to pursue endurance multi-sport racing. Yvonne's story has been featured in multiple platforms, Triathlon Magazine, Run Tribe Bike Magazine, Mid Strike Magazine. She's received numerous awards, 2020 Outspoken Woman Triathlon Social Media Impact Award, 2021 USAT Women's Committee Diversity and Inclusion Award. She was recently appointed to the USAT Board of Directors She serves in the U.S. Air Force and currently resides in Arlington, Virginia. Please welcome Colonel Yvonne Spencer to the show. 
Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. So let's start. What made you start participating in endurance sports? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It probably started uh, after I graduated from the Air Force Academy. Okay. And I no longer had to run. I got to run. <laughs> so it was more of a uh, a choice and something that I I started to enjoy. And so really the endurance part of my life started with running my first marathon in uh, 1997. <clears throat> yeah, so a, mi- a minute ago. <laughs> and uh from then on it just it just grew as my my circle of friends expanded and they were doing different things. I um uh, decided to give it a try. And here I am. Okay. So you didn't like running in the Air Force? Oh my gosh. No, I did not like running. And every year we had an annual fitness test that we had to take and we had to run um, a mile and a half for a time in order to to pass the annual fitness assessment. Um, and then I also played women's rugby. No, oh, did you really? I did. And there was a lot of running uh, with that. And I pretty much complained the entire time I was running. I just did not like it. Even though I was able to run in the the beautiful mountains and trails of Colorado, I just did not like it because I had to do it. Mm -hmm. I had to do it to stay in shape, to maintain my weight and et cetera. But once I didn't have to, and I was able to do it because I wanted to, it, it definitely changed my perspective. So how did you go from just running for enjoyment to a marathon? Like, uh, How was that progression? It started on a training run that I was doing. I think I was going to go out for maybe, I don't know, three miles. And I linked up with a, uh, well, he became a good friend of mine, but I linked up with a friend and he's like, hey, how far are you running? I said, oh, about three miles. He's like, oh, why don't you run the perimeter? And this is when I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Hampton, Virginia. And so the perimeter went all the way around the airfield. And he asked me to join him on that run. And by the time I finished that run, he had convinced me to train for the Marine Corps Marathon. From that one run? <laughs> From that, that three-mile run? Well, well you, you've been on runs. You've been on runs where it's it's run talk, right? Yeah. And it's supposed to stay on the run. And you just you get to know folks and you're chatting and they have you believing in yourself before you believe in yourself. And uh, I, I agreed uh, to, to give it a try. And since I'm a woman of my word, when I said I was going to do something, I, I, I said I was going to do it. And he and I set forth. We laid out a training plan. We scheduled out our long training runs together. And uh, we, we did it. Uh, we did it. We did it together. It rained the entire time. Um, but it was, uh, my first marathon. So I just soaked it all in. And, uh, after I did the first one, I wanted to see if I can get a better time on the second one. And it it grew from there. And uh, I started following a number of friends as they were doing different marathons. They would say, Hey, will you train with me? Sure. What what are we training for? Oh, San Francisco. Oh yeah. I've always wanted to do San And, And there I am doing the San Francisco marathon. And so. It, it grew from there. So how many marathons have you done to this day? Uh, outside of the Ironman, uh, it's 16. 16? 16, 16 what, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? My favorite 
is probably the Marine Corps Marathon mm-hmm. uh, because of the route and the people and the crowd. I just really, really enjoyed it. And I've done that one six times. Six, okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> so what's your least favorite marathon? I do have one. Least favorite would be <laughs> San Francisco. I, I was not tracking on all the <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I just kept thinking, what in the hell? Yes. So that was probably my least favorite. I was woefully undertrained, but did it anyway. And when you're when you're younger and you do something like that, your your body is a little bit more forgiving than it would be if I went out and did it today. Okay. So that was that's probably my least favorite. So is running your favorite out of the three sports in the triathlon and running, swimming, biking? It is. So running is my jam. Running and then probably my second favorite would be cycling. I'm starting to enjoy cycling a lot more. Um, And then, of course, the swim. You just do the swim so you can get to the rest of the race. (laughs) That's that's really why you do it. That's true. True. Although I'm trying to like it. So running is your thing. You qualified for Boston, correct? Yes, I did. In what year? It was in 2018. And uh, so at the beginning of the year, I was chatting with my coach. I told him what I wanted to do. Um, So he he trained me up. I did Ironman Arizona. That was in mid to late November Mm -hmm. of that year. And then I took a, you know, about a week or so off. And then he just kept me trained up. And I did the Jacksonville Marathon, which is relatively flat. It was a perfect day. Um, and I was able to to qualify. So I got it all done. So how was Boston when you ran it? Ooh, I ran it injured. Um, and so it was not as enjoyable as I wanted it to be. But it was still a, a great race. The The people that were out there cheering on, this is the first time that they had done it post um, the pandemic. COVID, yeah. And so there was a lot of folks out there cheering and uh, I just, I soaked it all in. That's what everyone told me that had run Boston before. They said, just, just soak it in. You know, it's, it's your, you earned it. You, you got your place there. So enjoy it. And that's, that's exactly what I did after the first half. After the first half? <laughs> the first, well, because the first <laughs> half was relatively downhill. So you're thinking, uh-huh. oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to smoke this marathon. And then the second half kicks in. You're like, oh yeah, no. So let's just enjoy it <laughs> and, you know, talk to the people and take your time and, and embrace it and embrace that first time. So when did you progress from running to triathlons? What, I mean, what made you do that transition? It was another run talk. <laughs> <laughs> I get, apparently, I need to just stop talking to people when I run <laughs> and just run. That's what I'm going to start doing. Um, but it was a friend of mine. We were training for the Air Force Marathon. Okay. And uh, he was also training for a triathlon. And after that long, I think it was maybe a 12 or 13 mile training run that we did. By the time I finished it, somehow I had agreed that I would do this triathlon with him and he was training for the columbia triathlon the olympic distance olympic okay yes so uh oh gosh girl that was um 1999 okay i think yes yes so i trained up with him he set out a plan and i i did my best in the swim and uh as far as training went i did not well i kind of started the race but i did not finish it go ahead (laughs) panic 
water, in, the uh, swim? In, in, in the water, in the swim. Yes. I had done open water swims uh, in the ocean. I was physically prepared for it, but mentally I was not prepared for the excitement of the race, the people around you, the mush and the muck that you felt in the water. Um, and so all those things just fell upon me in that moment. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it together. I'm not as experienced as I am now. And I, I couldn't get it together. Mm-hmm. I did not finish that one, but uh, I quickly signed up for another and I was able to finish that one. And to, that got the party started. So what made the difference? Did you just keep practicing? You practice around people. So what made you get over that or deal with that anxiety? Cause I don't know if you all get over it. I started smaller. So the first one I planned to do was an Olympic. That's quite a bit of a distance if you have not done a triathlon before or you're not really accustomed to swimming in open water. Mm-hmm. And I started with a sprint. And um, the the race director said, hey, if you panic in the water, just stand up. Okay. <laughs> because it was, it it was, was pretty it was shallow. shallow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not stand up. I was very proud of myself. I was so excited to get out of the water. It was just it was just an amazing accomplishment because I knew I could do the distance. I just had to say in my mind, just just keep swimming, mm-hmm. you know, focus on your stroke, focus on getting to that buoy and turning around. And I think it was more of my mindset in convincing myself you can do the distance. Mm-hmm. You just have to calm yourself down figure out what your mantra is going to be, whatever song you got to sing to yourself and just swim in your pool. So you sing and say mantras? Is that, is that your? I do. I do. Sometimes the mantras are me cussing myself out saying, all right, Vaughn, you have come too far to just come this far. Or I sing, uh, <laughs> one song I sing is, uh, cause it helps me my stroke and stretching it out, uh, is, uh, He's got the whole world in his hands. I don't know why that song just comes to mind, but but that helps me just relax, stay stay long, stay strong. And when all else fails, I just go to my back okay. and I remind myself that you can do this distance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just another training day. Okay. So all those things were helpful. And then I also started doing more triathlons um, with people that I knew. So I built up a community, became part of it, and they, probably unbeknownst to them, they encouraged me in, in watching them in the water, then I'm encouraged as well. Hmm. Okay. Did you swim as a child? Or I did not. I thought I could swim. I used to tell my mom I could swim. <laughs> you know, we had a neighbor that had a, one of those four-foot pools, you know, the above-ground pools, and so I just, you know, I just knew I could swim, but I, I did not swim as a child. I did have to take swimming lessons at the Air Force Academy. Okay, okay. We we all had to go through a basic one of swimming, and I tried to fail basic one so that I could just take it over again because I didn't want to advance. You don't want to advance, <laughs> but that didn't that didn't happen. So I ended up passing it and went to uh, the next level. So we had to take it at the academy. Um, and so I finally got some more lessons as an adult when I lived in Virginia and grew from there. It seems like swimming in the pool, even with other people, is just different from open water. And it depends on the open water, too. Because some water is just calm and some is like a washing machine. Oh, yeah. I um, When I lived in Hawaii, 
those were probably some of the most treacherous swims <laughs> that I've done. Rough water, Waikiki, and you know, just anytime you go out in the ocean, you never know what to expect. But I forced myself uh, with the help of a friend, Mags, <laughs> we'll say she helped force me, but to just do those hard things to get out there and swim and to challenge yourself, even if you're the last one out of the water, still, you know, go out there and do it and learn how to work with the ocean, learn how to ride the waves, mm -hmm. um, learn how to get your mind right for it. That was extremely helpful. And, and you all know that in Chicago, you have a lake that acts like an ocean. So <laughs> it does. It does not behave. It does. And sometimes it changes in the middle of the swim. I'm just like, right. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So what do you find the most joyful aspects of racing? Two things. Well, I won't say joyful. I enjoy the training. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the structure of it. Knowing that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday I have something, Tuesday, Thursday, something. I, I like having that structure, okay. uh, knowing what's, what's going to happen the next day. And then the second piece is the sistership and the fellowship that occurs before, during, and after the race. I've grown to look forward to that, to being around like-minded folks, to sharing different experiences, encouraging each other out there on the course, even though you yourself might need the encouragement, <laughs> you're reaching out for others, uh, digging deep. And then, of course, afterwards, all of the, the war stories, that's what I call them, uh, that we tell about our experiences out there. That's true. So just being around the people. Okay. It's a community. Mm -hmm. So you're a pretty accomplished triathlete. Well, thank you. You're all-world athlete? Yes. So how do you qualify for all-world athlete for my, for my listeners? Well, you just have to uh, register and complete uh, a couple of Ironman branded events. Okay. And based upon your finish time, you earn certain points towards a status. So I think it's it's bronze, silver, gold status. They'll send you little trinkets. And then also at different races, if you are all-world athlete, uh, you will have priority whenever it comes to registering and picking up your, your race packet. Then you're also a USA long course team member, correct? Yeah, well, in 2020. So I qualified in 2019. And again, the pandemic. So I never did the, the world championships because it just was too much of a risk. Okay, with COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you plan on doing it in the future? I may try it again once I get my run legs back on me. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, never, you know, it's never too late to do something like that. That's true. So in 2015, you transitioned some of your leadership talents, building a network of women known as Fast Chicks. So tell me about Fast Chicks and where the name came from. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm trying to remember the name probably came up because that's what some folks had called me. Okay. You know, the fast, fast chick. chick. Right, right, right. Okay. Because whenever I did my triathlons, the run was my game. And so I could go from, you know, last place to second place just on the run alone because I enjoyed that part of it. And I was able to catch people because everything else was decent. And sometimes if you, if you have a stronger run as a triathlete, you can run folks down mm -hmm. essentially. And so uh, we added the X on the end. And again, it was born out of Black Triathletes Association. I wanted a community of women that strive to be 
better than they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create a safe space for that. Um, whereas you can have discussions about wanting to get faster or wanting to learn something different and not come off as condescending, perhaps to some others that are just getting started. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you embrace those that are getting started because you remember what it's like. Mm-hmm. You remember, you know, not wanting to ask the question because you felt like it was a dumb question or you coined yourself as a newbie. And so I just wanted to create this space for women. And that's where Fast Chicks was born out of. And so it started probably less than 100 folks in 2015, Facebook group, and it, it grew over the years. And it particularly got a spike when we had our first meetup which was at uh, Rev3 in Williamsburg, Virginia. And we brought, I don't know, about 40 women there to that race. The following years, we had a goal of really changing the face of the races that we went to. Mm -hmm. Because whenever we would go to these races, let's just be blunt, there weren't a lot of black women out there. Nope. You know, depending on your areas. And I've lived in so many different areas from Pacific Northwest to the South to the Midwest. And you just do not see a lot of the faces. And so at any time, you can bring those faces to bear upon a race and make race directors and club directors and other other team members realize that, hey, this is a force or we are a force to be reckoned with. We have value that we can add to your team, that we can add to your club, uh, that we add to your races. Um, (laughs) And so the more we do that, the more visibility we get and the more other women are given a little side eye like, hmm, if they could do it, I want to do it too. I want to be a part of that. I want to challenge myself and here's how I can do it. It's been a quest and uh, our biggest showing was uh, in uh, 2020 when we had about 100 and 119 fast chicks that descended upon Rev3 <laughs> that year. And uh, it, it was just, it, it was something to see. It, it really started bonding the ladies, no matter where they were from, they were, they were creating these, these relationships, this network and this community. In your video before the swim start went viral. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's still getting hit. It had over a million. That was just wow. And my dance moves, I definitely have to work on them. But, you know, that was a part of it. I had people reaching out to me saying, Oh, I, I want to be wherever you all are racing. And it's, you know, now I've coined it the fast chicks effect because, you know, whenever we are at a race, whenever we're there, you will know that we are there. We are encouraging others out there and we keep a positive you know attitude about ourselves true because i went to my first rev three this year and everyone was talking about fast chicks fast chicks fast chicks (laughs) 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 and and even if you aren't in the fast chicks group if you're brown they think you're a fast chick so that's good too (laughs) that works for me that works for me so not only are you an accomplished athlete you're a coach as well when did you start coaching i started coaching in 2019. Um, I was doing some unofficial coaching, if you will, uh, because others would just ask me for, you know, some advice or help build them a plan. But I I got my official certifications uh, because they opened it up uh, virtually. So instead of having to travel someplace to get my level one certification, I was able to do it virtually. And so that really helped. And that's why I started with coaching, you know, bringing to bear some of my experiences and then also encouraging my athletes, uh, making their plans adjustable and, you know, just picking up on 
different things that happen in the triathlon community and, and, and helping them to, to get across that finish line. So what do you find to be the most challenging aspect of coaching? <laughs> Remembering what it's like when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be just remembering how difficult it was to understand that there is a method to the madness, Mm -hmm. you know, not fully understanding how all the pieces were were put together and it would result in this triathlon that I would be able to to accomplish. And so thinking back and how to explain something to someone that doesn't have the same level of experience. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to peel back and use different words, (laughs) find different techniques and and tactics um, in order to get the message across because everyone learns differently. Everyone is going to absorb it differently and they have expectations of their coaches. And so balancing out that expectation uh, with my athletes is one of the, the challenges. So has it changed your approach, your personal approach to training and racing, being a coach? It has. It, It has because you know, you, <laughs> you want to lead by example. So, you know, uh, as a coach, you always want to be on top of your game because your your athletes are watching and others are watching what you do. So if you're lazy on a day, then they think they can be lazy on the day. And then they'll say, but coach, you were lazy on this day. And <laughs> I'll, I'll tell my athletes, do as I say, not as I do. But that's not exactly the approach you're supposed to have, right? But I do tell them, I'll just do what I say, not as I do. You know? <laughs> um, but just, just trying to stay on top of my game um, in order to continue to encourage them in different manners. Tell me about your racing career. Do you know how many triathlons you've completed over the years? Oh, my. Like, to- like to- how about full distance? The one uh, Full distance, mm-hmm. um, I'll say eight and a half. Because I had a Deniff one year, but <laughs> eight and a half uh, full distances. Well, no, actually make it nine and a half because I did um, one out in, I think it was Claremont, which was not an Ironman branded, but it was a full distance as well. And then I've done probably twice as many 70.3s. Okay. Um, and then maybe about 15 or 20 sprint Olympic distances. Okay. So I've spread it out a little bit. So what is your favorite race do you have a favorite race you know what my favorite one I had a really good time was when I did the triple t or the triple in Chicago don't ask me why but the- mm-hmm. so you got to come back next year everybody's doing it for Bernard's yes, birthday yeah <laughs> so we had thought you know I talked about that for the fast chicks because we we like to have our annual meetup and so I'm, I'm looking at Chicago as one of the options but um I probably enjoyed that one be- just because Again, the, the people that I was with and, you know, somehow I convinced Jaja to do it. And Jaja and I were there singing to each other, trying to get our minds right to go back into that swim when we were on our third race of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so. And then wasn't it choppy that It was choppy that year. Too. It was choppy. It was a lot of, a number of people got banged up against the wall. Remember they were telling people, hey, swim a little further out. And some people still wanted to use the wall as their sighting. That ended up being a bad day, but I enjoyed it. And it was more of the the challenge of it just to see if I can do it. You know, can I get back from my Olympic fast enough so I can have a break and then, you know, go on to do the sprint. In season five, we will continue the segment as the dog. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal health, please email me 
send me a message via social media or click on my website and leave an audio message. Select messages will be answered on the segment. So what are the other options for next year? Fast Chicks Meetup, or is it still being discussed other than Chicago? Another option, and we may have a couple. Another option is Louisville. So I have a discussion with the uh, Tri-Louisville race director uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I would like to see that as as a destination type race at a bourbon tour or something along that lines. I wouldn't mind doing that because I didn't do that when I did the race. Yes. And I actually like Louisville. I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, I have have some memories of the the Ironman Louisville back in the day. What year did you do it? I did it in 2011 and 2014. Okay. Was it in the summer when you did it? Uh, Yes. What was it? August? It moved to what? October? Yeah, I think one year I did it in August and maybe... In 2014, it might have been in October, but I mean, both times the weather was weather was decent. I've heard horror stories about summer, and then I've heard a couple about one year they had like all the seasons in one day. <laughs> oh yes, I I did not <laughs> do it that 17, year. Maybe? I, yes, oh my, Ironman racing—that's what's interesting about it. Mother Nature can, you know, have other plans. Absolutely, <laughs> and it day is challenging. It is a very long day. Um, and anything is possible, which means that anything can happen on that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what do you think is the biggest barrier in getting women of color into triathlons, would you say? Probably exposure, mm-hmm. particularly with the, the swimming and then the lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> like why I can't do it. Or why and- I can't do it, you know. Nowadays, we have so many options when it comes to our hair that I... That's true. You know, we didn't have back in the day. <laughs> we, we did not. We did not, right? And so when women are like, oh, well, this and that, like, but we have so many options. You can do sew-ins. You can do wigs. You can do locks. You name it. You can do cut it. Cut it off. Or you can cut it <laughs> off, you know, and just go with the flow. So those are the types of things. And, you know, the exposure and the access... Um, having access to lessons in pools in the area, particularly during the pandemic when a lot of these pools were closing down um, and a lot of the swim coaches weren't able to do their lessons. So it's getting access to that piece of it. I see a number of us out there cycling, a number of us out there running. It's just the swim piece and the logistics of it. And then exposure. Some don't know what a triathlon is. So that was, you know, one of the goals with Fast Chicks is, hey, if you want to be on a relay, we'll take you on a relay and you can see what this triathlon multi-sport world is all about. And if it's something that you want to do. So what's on your bucket list as far as racing and as far as Fast Chicks coaching? And- uh, right now we're doing year number two of our Fast Chicks training in paradise. So looking forward to that. This past year, there were 19 of us. We went out to Costa Rica, uh, spent three days of training, one day of excursions. Uh, We got in a couple of open water swims, some bike rides, some runs. We had aid stations. We had a bike mechanic. um, And in the afternoon, we had adult beverages and a pool. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. It was an Um, all-inclusive. We definitely bonded, had some great discussions about triathlon we did some yoga 
2023, we are headed to Dominican Republic to try something different. And it will be the same type of setup with the open water swims. We had support out there. We have buoys. We had the kayaks. Uh, the cycling will have a shorter ride and a longer ride. The runs will be, you know, off the bike or off the swim or, you know, just a plain old run, some yoga, and then a couple of forums to talk about uh, racing and nutrition and transition. Go back. Right. Well, yeah, we'll probably talk about a little bit of that, but we also want to discuss, you know, I don't know what I want to title it, but I almost want to title it. Don't believe the hype Uh, because, (laughs) because when people see the, the end game of an Ironman, they see you with the medal and you're smiling and et cetera. But, but what they don't see is everything that went into that day. And so we, we get caught up in the hype of this accomplishment. And, you know, when you're in the dark place, (laughs) you know, on that five hour bike ride that you're doing by yourself, or you may have to be on a trainer because the weather is terrible. um, Who's going to build you out then? So really it's talking about the mental toughness um, that it takes for this sport. If you want to go long, it's just not a matter of putting together, you know, a long run, a, a long bike and a long swim. It's really smashing them all together and making sure your mental can last through that. However long that day is going to take you. Sure. With, and what all the obstacles that may be thrown. Oh my right. goodness. Life. Right. <laughs> yes. Because none of us are getting paid for this. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so sometimes work won't let me be great. I can't do the, the bike ride like I want to do because the boss changes the meeting. Um, those types of things get kids, those types of obstacles. And how do we, how do we work around it to get to our goals? Speaking of life, how do you find time to do with your busy schedule with being a colonel in the military and training yourself and coaching with fast chicks and social life and whatever else you're involved in? I can't tell you that I've mastered it. I, I really can't. I know that in the military, they expect for you to be physically and mentally fit. And so part of my mental and physical fitness is the the training and like I talked about the structure that's why I like it because I know in the morning I got something and then the evening I got something and in between time I have other things sometimes I got to make sacrifices I might not be able to go to that happy hour or if I go to the happy hour guess what I will suffer the next day and am I ready do I want to suffer you know sometimes you're like you know what I'm just going to suffer because I want to do this um and then you just live with your decisions and the outcome of it. Um, and so I, I, I can't tell you that I found the right balance. It, it's really an, an imbalance. Sometimes I go towards the training and then other times I'll say, you know what? I haven't seen my family and friends. I haven't seen my mama. I, I'm just going to have to take a short on this one and, and go take care of that, that piece of the pie. It's not easy. And I, I can't imagine having to, uh, also pay a, a sitter for to take care of children or something along that line that that hits you in your pocket as well. And again, none of us are getting paid for this. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. So outside of being an accomplished athlete, you've also won some awards just for some of the things you do for the triathlon community. The Outspoken Women in Triathlon Social Media Impact Award in 2020. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And USAT Women's Committee Diversity and Inclusion Award. And you recently have a great accomplishment, which you got to celebrate 
Labor Day weekend. Um, you were appointed to the USA Triathlon Board of Directors. Tell me about your accomplishments in that area. With the uh, the Board of Directors? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it, it, it's still to be written. Okay. <laughs> so, um, when there was a, a vacancy, some folks reached out and said, hey, would you be interested? And so I did the steps that I was supposed to take, uh, did the interview, and they, they selected me. Um, I will have my onboarding, uh, if you will, my training in December in Colorado Springs. So I'm looking forward to that. So how long is the training? It's about a day of training. Okay. Okay. And the board has been very welcoming. Um, I've had several conversations uh, getting me involved in some of the the things that they have planned for 2023 as far as reinvigorating the the clubs, uh, bringing more interest into triathlon clubs, and then also the uh, endurance exchange, the, the training that they do each year. And so I, I think in December, I'll know more of my role and where I can have the most impact. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to to have an impact at this level. Um, and then to also share with them at the board what is really happening down here in the, in the trenches. And, you know, forgive my use of the, the military terms. You're saying this, USAT, and this is what's happening down here. So maybe something's missing or... Some stuff I think is more PR than actually impactful. Yes. And so, I, you know, I, I want them to, to match... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> match the words and the excitement with what's what's really happening um and so I, i've shared that with uh with them um and so they understand that i'm not going to just sit there you know i am a general member and so we'll we'll see what that entails but now now i'm in the room and you can't kick me out so that part, <laughs> that well, part. we're proud of you and we're happy to have you there thank you speaking thank up you. for all of us trying to make triathlons a more diverse, inclusive community. Yes, yeah, we're 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 getting out there. It's let me tell you something. It is much better than when I I did my first full in 2006. I'm seeing a lot more faces out there in these races. It's, it's getting better. It might not be where we want it to be. If we even know where we want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, that's a question. But uh, it is getting better, and it just comes with more exposure and more education of what the sport is about. Um, and then just opening up the the aperture to being more friendly and more, more inclusive. So part of my podcast is to feature guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle that you have to overcome via running, triathlons, just life in general? Ooh, one of my biggest obstacles has been moving around a lot. And so in, in the military, I think I've, I've said this before, but in my 28 years, I've had 14, 15 moves. And when I move nine times out of 10, I know no one. (laughs) So I'm plopped into a community. And so my biggest challenge is networking, finding a community, finding a triathlon community, finding a cycling community, you name it, that will accept me or I make them accept me. I don't know how we frame it. That is welcoming and that will be helpful in my journey. And so one of the the first things I do before I move is I'm always Googling, okay, what's, is there a triathlon club near me, cycling club near me? And then just presenting myself to these clubs. 
you know, and not taking myself so seriously and not thinking that, oh, they're not accepting me because I'm black. Well, maybe they're not accepting you because you're new. (laughs) And sometimes people have a hard time adjusting to new people. So give them an opportunity. You know, you reach out and someone else will reach back out at you. And so I've had some success in that. There are certain clubs that just have a personality, you know, they can be a little condescending, a little snootish, or if you're not going this pace, then, you know, and those are not the clubs for me. Um, So I tend to be with those that are more welcoming and that's fine too. That's probably the biggest challenge is that moving around. And then I, you know, I was stationed in Afghanistan for a year. Well, I'm definitely not going to be able to do a triathlon around there, but I can keep up my strength training and my running and, you know, get on the little bike, uh, whatever I can. So uh, those are probably the biggest obstacles is finding a way out of no way to keep up with this sport that I love. Do you find even with the challenges of moving that even though it's hard, it makes you better because you know, you have a lot of connections. Other people wouldn't have all these different triathlon communities throughout the world, basically, that other people might not have an experience. And you can see people doing things a lot of different ways and figuring out what's the best way for you. Yes, it is true. It does definitely put a lot more into my brain. Um, And it also, I guess on the negative side, is that it also makes me a little less apt to listen to excuses. (laughs) So however you want to put that. Like, why didn't you, why could you do your workout? Right, you know, right. I, I had, a, you know, a new athlete and, she, you know, she's laying down, she'll tell you the story, but she's laying down next, well, I'm 60 and I'm this and I'm that. And so with every excuse she gave me, I just kept saying, are, are you done? Are you done yet? <laughs> is, there, is there any more that you want to give me? Because, you know, I, I got an, an anti to all of your excuses. You know, I'm 60. Well, here's a 65 year old uh, at a race that you're about to do. And she's done yada, yada, yada. Next. You know, well, I don't have the time. Well, here's a mother of three that is a doctor, has her own practice and does this and this and this. And guess what? I'm just saying. I'm just, I mean, whatever you want to tell me, I know someone that has an experience and they've found a way. Now, granted, some have more resources than others. I'll give you that, but you can find a way. And there are women out there that hear your story and they can help you. You know, we are here to help. You're not a burden. Um, We are here to help you to find a way around it or through it or over it, whatever you need to do. So, so yeah, having those experiences, I, I'm less apt to really listen to your excuses. It's also part of the military in me, just, just building that, that resiliency. Let's just find a way. What's we got to get to be. All right. Let's just, let's just find a way. Let's do this. So if a uh, present day Vaughn could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? Stretch. <laughs> Stretch. <laughs> Stretch. <laughs> yes, that was, that'd be it. Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> That's it. That is it. Um, (laughs) because, you know, if if I changed any of my other experiences, then I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have met the people that I'm, you know, met, you know, the the fun that I've been having. But if I had stretched, then, you know, I wouldn't be dealing with this overuse injury and, you know, falling down on my run game. 
So that's the important part. Well, when you're younger, you don't need to stretch, right? <laughs> no, you think you think you don't. You think you can you think do anything. You know, but you do. Stretch, do yoga. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yoga's good. Yeah. And learn to relax and have fun and not be so stressed out about it, I would say. If you're not having fun, if you can't find a way to to sing, you know, or to dance like you do into the water, because that's the most stressful part for a lot of people is is that swim. It still gives me anxiety. So whatever I can do to release some of that and uh, and to get it going, it, it helps. Sing is good. Mm-hmm. Derek told me that once. It does help. I sing when I climb, too. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I, I cuss when I climb. So I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> there is no singing. There is only cussing. I see. It helps me, like, not think about this hill I'm climbing and I get to breathe and, you know, so. Well, I'll say, you know, just keep pedaling, just keep pedaling, you know, push and pull, push and pull, push and pull. So any last minute words of advice for my listeners? I would say if this is the sport that you want to do, that you enjoy, be bold about it. Uh, When you go to a new team, a new location, a new race, don't automatically think it's because of the way that you look, that people are, have a, you know, a scowl or whatever on their face. Sometimes they're trying to intimidate you. (laughs) You know, that's what they do at races, but I, I have them know, like, you don't, you don't need to intimidate me. But uh, yeah, don't take yourself so seriously. Uh, definitely enjoy it. And, and I think that uh, one of my favorite races is uh, a 70.3 that I did in Coeur d'Alene. And I had no goals um, other than to finish. And I decided to smile in the swim, just smile and just make it contagious, force myself to enjoy it. And I had a really good day out there. I was climbing. I was cheering people on as I was climbing. And then uh, Cutie Pie Andy Potts gave me my medal. And I was just that as happy as a peach. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, your your mood can, can change whatever type of day that you're going to have. And so just uh, start out with a smile. That is true. So true. Training rides, too. Oh, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so where can viewers find you if they want coaching or just find more about you? Fast Chicks? Uh, Fast Chicks is uh, on, on Facebook. Fast Chicks. And then also on Instagram. It's fast chicks underscore. And then for me, it's with lip gloss on, uh, <laughs> on Instagram. And then um, on Facebook, I am Hannah Vontana. <laughs> so those, those are the places. And then we also have a website, www.fastchicks.org. Well, thanks for joining me today. And hopefully I'll see you soon somewhere at a race or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and keep up with these podcasts. This exposure has been great learning the different stories. And, and I know that through your podcast, folks out there are being encouraged to uh, take the next step and to level up. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is fun. And it's always nice to share because that's what we want to do is share our experience and bring more people into the flow. Absolutely. So thanks again. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, 
please email run it is cheaper than therapy olb omaha love brown again that's run it is cheaper than therapy omaha love brown at gmail.com i also can be reached via instagram facebook twitter linkedin and youtube handle we like we love oh you are life oh you are love thank you and please tune in again